0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the fallout of Chairman Powell's testimony to the House Financial Services Committee on Wednesday and the corresponding Senate Committee on Tuesday. In his remarks, he reiterated the Fed sees raising rates further in response to unexpectedly strong employment, GDP, and inflation numbers. On Tuesday, he said the central bank would consider raising their benchmark Federal funds rate by half a percentage point later this month, leading investors to anticipate the larger rate rise altogether. Daniel D Martino Booth is someone who I follow closely. She's the CEO and chief strategist at Quill Intelligence. She previously worked at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas for over ten years, and she's the author of a book called Fed Up, which we previously reviewed as the book of the month on this show back in July. Danielle is a frequent guest on the business networks, and she's been on Fox News and Bloomberg in the past day commenting on the current Federal Reserve Chairman's comments. And here's what Danielle had to say. She said that the market is clearly priced in 5.6% as the peak federal funds rate, and there's speculation that 6% could be in sight. The entire approach to financing changes for both real estate investors and businesses as interest rates go up. Some projects that were already underway will be upside down. Some will need to pause. And all of this analysis is based on the famous Phillips curve that forms the basis of so much of Fed policy. Every time the Phillips curve is shown to have fundamental flaws, they tweak the model to try and somehow take some new factor into account. But the same fundamental flaws exist. The basic premise that a tight labor market automatically puts too much negotiating power in the hands of employees is at the core of the financial model. If we go back through history, there's example after example after example where a tight labor market did not result in inflation. The conclusions being drawn by Fed officials using the Phillips curve each and every time has been shown to be incorrect, and in fact, the Phillips curve has been even shown by the Fed's own data, the St. Louis Fed, to be less and less a measure and not a predictor of this inverse relationship between unemployment and inflation. The problem is the tight labor market is partly being caused by the hangover of the pandemic. We have around 16 million working age Americans, those aged 18 to 65 with long COVID today. And about 25% of those are out of work completely. That means there's 4 million people out of the full-time workforce that would otherwise be working. We've seen the workforce participation fall from 63.4% down to 60% during the pandemic. And it's slowly recovered to the current rate of 62.4%. This rate of workforce participation has been very slow to recover and it's been largely stagnant for more than a year. That 1% of workforce participation represents about 3.3 million people, which roughly adds up to the approximately 4 million people still out of work with long COVID. That doesn't even account for the 1.3 million people in the U.S. who died from COVID-19, many of whom admittedly were older and perhaps no longer in the workforce. I see, I believe the Fed is misreading the labor market tightness and drawing conclusions based on the flawed Phillips curve. If we were measuring employment the same way as we did 50 years ago, because after all, we're comparing the current unemployment rate to what it was 50 years ago, these additional 4 million people who want to work and can't would actually be considered unemployed. But because they're not actively seeking employment each and every week, well, they're not classified as unemployed. We would not be at 3.5% unemployment, but more like 5.5% unemployment. And at 5.5% unemployment, the Fed would not be taking steps to crush the economy to eliminate some supposed wage price spiral. The last time we had major inflation was in the 1970s and the Federal Reserve Reform Act of 1977 actually outlines three mandates. The dual mandate that we often hear about is steeped in this notion of the Phillips curve. The so-called dual mandate to both maximize employment and maintain price stability is missing the third one. There is a third mandate and I'm gonna quote directly from the text of the 1977 act. It says, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the Federal Open Market Committee shall maintain long-term growth of the monetary and credit aggregates commensurate with the economy's long-run potential to increase production so as to promote effectively the goals of maximum employment, that's number one, stable prices, number two, and number three, moderate long-term interest rates. There's a third mandate, not just the two. You see, by 1977, the population was so up in arms over inflation and the government's inability to control it, the Congress handed over more responsibility for fixing the problem to the Federal Reserve. They didn't know what to do, so they gave the Federal Reserve more power. But things didn't stop in 1977. There was a further reform act in the fall of 1978 called the Humphrey-Hawkins Act of 1978. The big change introduced in 1978 was to increase the level of accountability which is why you now see the chair of the Federal Reserve report regularly to the Senate and the Congress. The legislation was designed to increase the level of transparency, as up until that point, the Fed had been operating very autonomously with a very high degree of autonomy and a higher degree of secrecy. Let's be clear. The Federal Reserve has made numerous mistakes, even in the handling of the recent pandemic period. If they were concerned about inflation, they should have started to raise interest rates back in 2021, when the signs of inflation were already starting to appear, and instead they allowed inflation to run away. And the fact that the central bank and the government are working often across purposes to each other could be seen as merely the Fed operating independently from the government. But I believe the Fed is causing harm to global financial markets for no good reason at all. It's because they're fixated on tweaking their modern-day Keynesian software simulation, rather than looking deeply at what's happening on the ground and why. And on Friday, we're going to get another collection of employment statistics. Depending on what the data says, the Phillips curve will dictate whether we'll see another aggressive rate increase and whether further damage will be done to the real estate industry for no good reason at all. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.